Hello, I'm Stephanie Ruff. And I'm Aviva Nabeski. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage related. Our conversations span the world of dressage from leading riders to local level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, showing tips, and sharing stories to inspire your own dressage journey. So tune in, then tack up. Happy spring and welcome to the Dressage Today podcast sponsored by ADM. This month's podcast features a great interview with successful Grand Prix competitor and trainer, Jessica Joe J.J. Tate. But before we get to that, Aviva, you have some big news you'd like to share. I do, Stephanie. So I don't know how many of you guys have heard of something called the Maccabi Games, but the Maccabi Games are also known as the Jewish Olympics. (laughs) They're held every four years in Israel. And believe it or not, they are the third largest international sporting event in the world. That's amazing to me. I don't mean to cut you off, but that's amazing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, they're third behind the Olympics, of course. course. And get this, the FIFA World Cup soccer. Right. So the Maccabi Games um, are held every four years in Israel. And then the two year in between, they're held in Europe. Um, But the last time they were in Israel, 10,000 athletes competed. That's amazing. From... 85 countries in about 43 sports. Wow. And you have to be Jewish in order to compete. And this is an opportunity for Jewish athletes from all over the world to come together um, as Jews and compete together in their various sports and just create a sense of unity and culture and heritage that's particularly unique. And I am so honored and so thrilled and so flabbergasted (laughs) to say that I have been appointed to the dressage team because, yes, there is dressage and show jumping. Right. And so I am going to Israel in July to represent the U.S. um, in dressage in Israel for the Maccabi Games. How cool is that? That that is the ultimate and cool. I think that is absolutely amazing. I I do too. I'm just, I'm still blown away. Um, When I was first approached, of course, my first comment was I've never ridden Grand Prix. (laughs) And so, so our listeners know we actually compete. I think it depends on the horses. I'm still learning a lot about what's involved, but we ride either second two and second three or third two and third three. And then the top riders go on to individual championships and they ride the, um, a couple of the FEI tests, the, the medium and the advanced, I think one is a junior and one is a child's test, which again, are sort of the equivalent of second, third level. So no, I'm not riding (laughs) Grand Prix. Um, the next thing everybody always wants to know is, are you bringing your horse? (laughs) And no, um, (laughs) The Israelis are fabulous and they will provide horses um, sort of like with um, IHSA or IEA or IDA. Um, You can pull a pool horse where you just, you know, pull a name out of a hat and that's the horse that you get. Or if you want, you can choose to try to lease a horse. um, And that's a horse that you get to ride anywhere from a week to two weeks before you actually go down center line. And that's what I and my teammates are planning to do. Um, I am so, so lucky to have two phenomenal teammates. Um, Our head or our coach and our chef to keep and our chair um, and the leader of us is a writer named Rebecca Cord. And Rebecca is a bronze and silver medalist. She has her ARIA and USDF certified instructors certificates. Um, She worked for Iron Spring Farm um, Mm. in 2001, starting and breaking young horses, um, as well as preparing them for sale. Um, And then she also worked at Hilltop Farm. Um, with their horses as well. She's got a resume that just goes on and on and on. Um, She started the horse sombrero to top that many of the listeners may have heard of that Felicitas von Neumann Cosell rides. Um, And she started him and debuted him at pre-St. George. Um, She's also ridden the pony stallion Popeye. Um, 
you know, she's just her her resume just goes on and on and on and on. And we are just so fortunate to have her. This will be her third games. Wow. Um, she was in Israel for her first games and then was in Hungary for the European Championships. Um, and this is just so cool. And I'll talk more about Rebecca as we, you know, continue over the next few months. Right. And my other team member is a phenomenal woman named Lauren Sarah. And Lauren is an adult amateur who started riding as a fox hunter in um, in Pennsylvania. She's a fashion designer um, and owns a business called Rat Books. Um, she has two sons, one's in college and the other is a chef who just opened a brand new restaurant um, outside of Philadelphia in Gladwin. Um, she also has her bronze medal on a beautiful imported mare. Um, who she calls Lola. Her name is Corolla. Lola is the name of my dachshund. Let me tell you, Corolla is nothing like her Lola. Uh, my Lola, her Corolla is a 17-2 hand, absolutely drop-dead gorgeous mare. Um, and this has been Lauren's bucket list for years now. And she is over the moon with the excitement of, of going and competing in Israel. Um, she is actually responsible for bringing our advisor along with us, and that is Missy Ranshausen. Wow. How lucky are we? Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, um, Missy is the coach of the U.S. Para Equestrian Team mm-hmm. and has, you know, been the chef to keep in the coach internet at so many international competitions. And of course, she's the daughter of Jessica. So, I mean, I I just can't even. <laughs> I just can't even begin to tell everybody how exciting and and honored and thrilled and scared and intimidated <laughs> and flattered. And what I've been saying to people is, you know, pick an adjective. And yes, I'm experiencing that. Um, this is a very expensive in- endeavor for all of us. Um, this is not something where the U.S. just pays for us. Right. Um, so we do a lot of fundraising and, you know, Stephanie, I have been in absolute tears for the last three weeks. I opened a fundraising page and I think I have counted over 30 people in my community have (laughs) already contributed to the fundraiser. Um, I have a corporate sponsor through FICS in Maryland. Um, I mean, just the most wonderful people, people with huge donations and people that I barely know who've donated $20. I mean, just people reaching out and the the kindness um, and the support has, has had me moved beyond more, more than I can even begin to say. Yeah. Um, I am doing a, an online auction that opens on April Fool's Day. I figured that was an appropriate <laughs> time. Um, and it's going to be on the 32 auctions um, platform. And again, people have just the outpouring. It's not just horse stuff. A dear friend of mine has, has volunteered four hours of, of business coaching. Um, another friend has donated two weeks of um, on-site boarding and training for dogs. And then there's just all kinds of other stuff. So if your listeners are interested, they can contact me, you know, they can PM me on Facebook or they can email me and I can give them the links to all of these things because this auction is going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, I also have been given, um, a pair of, I'm not sure yet whether it will be Kingsley or whether it will be De Niro boots mm-hmm. to raffle. Wow. Um, so that's going to happen at some point as well. And I'll be, you know, publicizing that. And then wonderful dressage today has <laughs> donated a one entire year of dressage today on demand. How amazing are we? Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's not enough that they listen to me talk every month, but now they're also <laughs> donating this. So to, to everybody who's listening, this is just the coolest thing ever, and I'm going to be talking about this for months, and you're all going to be bored with me, but I'm just, I mean, I'm going to be walking in the opening ceremonies, Yeah, you know, in a white tracksuit with a, a USA flag, waving my hand behind the Aww. US flag, you know, just, I mean, how many of us get to go to the Olympics? No, I know. I mean, yeah. what? What an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So 
I'm I'm sorry. I'm a little gushy. Everybody yeah. Well, you know, we can Don't. hear your excitement and your enthusiasm. <laughs> it resonates, and I'm sure everybody can hear it. So you know, but it's fantastic. Of course, you should. And if be. anybody has questions, feel free to ask because I'm. I mean, I had heard of the Maccabi Games in the past, but the the equestrian sport is relatively new, and so I'm learning as I go. And I'd love to share everything that I learned with you guys. And of course, once I come back, I'll have lots of stories to tell. Yeah, that's what that's what I can't wait to hear the the uh, blow by blow, or hopefully hopefully not blow hopefully by no blowing. <laughs> Right. Play, play by play. Let's go. Yes. Play by play. Yes. One, one of my goal. I'm not going to win gold. I'm, I'm going to stay on and not die. There we go. You know, I, but, but it's, it's an absolutely amazing opportunity. And so from, from everyone, I will say congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And so we also actually wanted to let our listeners know that Chelsea Kennedy's first videos have been released on Dressage Today on Demand. And Yay. You might, I know. You might, you might remember that Chelsea was a guest on this podcast last year, and she brings a really unique perspective to her training. Um, so if you missed that episode for what some, some crazy reason, um, Why? Go back Why and, would you miss that? Yeah. I know. Actually, honestly, I looked. It's one of our most popular episodes. So, so if it. you're new listeners and you haven't gone back and heard everything yet, um, go find it. It's season two, episode 13. And then in her first set of videos that we just released, she talks about how horses learn, how we can help horses learn, um, the purpose of ground but groundwork and she even does a guided meditation. Wow. So yeah, you should check that. That may help you. That might help calm you and send yes. you Aviva as you go forward in your Yes, uh, I was thinking drugs, but meditation <laughs> might be better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's try meditation first. Yeah. <laughs> so I just we just wanted to let everybody know to check her out if you're a subscriber. If you're not, you can get a 10-day free trial with a subscription at ondemand.dressagetoday.com or you can bid on the one-year free subscription. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> there we go. Well, I do have to say that that I, I was a little skeptical before we went to talk, before we spoke with Chelsea um, because it sounded a little bit woo-woo to me, you know, <laughs> mindfulness and all the rest of that. And, you know, I'm a little bit more pragmatic than that, but I have to tell you, she, she is an amazing human being and her way of dealing with the way that horses learn and making it possible for them to learn and making riders able to learn. She, she made me a convert and (laughs) I am just so disappointed that she isn't in Maryland um, (laughs) because I would ride with her in a heartbeat and I'm hoping to have an excuse to go up and visit her um, preferably before I go to Israel because she's just She's a remarkable, remarkable woman and just so down to earth and so easy to, to, to listen to and to talk to. She's just amazing. And I can't wait to see the videos. Yeah. Yep. So go, go check them out. I will. We received a two-part question from Melody for our Ask the L segment. Yep. And the first part you answered um, last month, it was about warm-up etiquette. Yep. And um, again, for our listeners, if you missed that, you just have to go back one episode. <laughs> to, it's easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, yeah. February. There you go. You can get Aviva's answer about warm-up etiquette. But the second part of the question that Melody had, uh, we are going to address in this segment. And that is whether or not she, she wants to know if the judge pays attention to the horse and rider before entering at A? Yeah, that's a funny question. I like it. (laughs) So technically, the judge doesn't watch anything that happens before the rider enters the arena. 
Um, which is a reason sometimes, you know, competitors complain about the fact that I was just riding past the judge and all of a sudden she blew the whistle and spooked my horse. And that's because, you know, when you're judging, just because you finish your test and you say thank you and you walk out, that doesn't mean that the judge is just sitting there twiddling her thumbs waiting <laughs> for the next rider. The judge is now doing you know, the, the, the collectives and the further remarks. And sometimes that takes a little bit longer than other times. And so she's busily writing and doing her thing and trying to keep track of the time to make sure that the next rider isn't going around and around and around and around the arena for, you know, odd infinitum. Um, and so she's finished writing and she looks up and she blows the whistle or rings the bell and holy crap, there's the rider right in front of her. <laughs> So that I I have to explain that to people just so right. that they know it right. really isn't spiteful. Right. Um, but sometimes we finish quickly because we do. And sometimes we're running a little bit of ahead of time and the judge glances up and sees that the rider is having a problem. You know, horses taking one look at the judge's booth and says, I'm not going up there. And so sometimes the judge will give that rider just a moment to see if they can work through it. Um, sometimes we finish a little bit early and we, you know, look up and there's still a couple of seconds before we need to, to ring the bell and see the horse and rider going around the ring and think, oh, well, this is going to be a nice ride or, oh, this might not be so good. But it doesn't matter. Ultimately, you know, yes, you've made some kind of an impression, but we all know you can, and we talked about this last <laughs> time, you can win the warm up. Right. But once you enter at A, all bets are off. Right. And so many horses, they start around the, the outside of the arena and they're beautiful and they're soft and they're all the rest of it. And then the judge blows the whistle and the rider gets tense and the horse says, holy crap. And the head goes up and the back goes down and then they come down center line and the judge is sitting there saying, what happened to that beautiful horse? Because it's not here. Right. So the short answer is um, no, the judge doesn't pay attention. Um, and even if they do, it's not really relevant. So we always want to put on our, our, our best clothes and we always want to put our best foot forward. So imagine when you're going around the outside of the arena that the judge really is watching you and really is um, judging you and giving you a score. But more than that, use that time to do that last little bit of schooling that you need to do to make sure that your horse is on the aids to make sure that your horse is listening to you. If you need to do a counterflexion to loosen up the base of the neck, don't worry that the judge is thinking counterbend. Right. Do what you need to do so that when you enter at A, you have a horse who is truly on your A's and is going to show off the best of your training. That's an excellent answer. Thank you. <laughs> That's why you pay me the big bucks. I That's know. right. <laughs> And, you know, we've had some really great questions, uh, but we look forward to hearing from you, you out there who hasn't asked a question yet. Um, please don't be shy. Ask away. Aviva will answer to the best of her ability. And, and, <laughs> and, I, and at least I'll talk, you know. That's right. You'll have something. <laughs> Might not say. make any sense, but I'll say something. <laughs> so you can reach me at via email at sruff at equinenetwork.com or reach out to us on social media. Coming up next is our interview with JJ Tate. Gastric support just got easy. Forage First GS by ADM helps provide gastric support for horses of all ages and performance levels. Performance horses today have high energy requirements and face many stressors, including exercise, hauling, and stall confinement. An estimated 90% of performance horses face stomach discomfort caused by gastric distress, which can negatively affect their performance, attitude, and overall health. The unique triple action blend of ingredients in ADM's Forage First GS supplement helps support a healthy gastric pH while protecting and strengthening the stomach lining, helping keep your horse happy and performing at its best. Forage First GS gastric support for the one you love the most. Learn more and find your dealer at admequine.com.
Jessica Joe J.J. Tate began to take her place among the country's riding elite early, making her FEI debut at just 16 years old. Earning numerous national and regional titles, J.J. has trained and competed over 29 horses at the FEI levels, including eight at Grand Prix. Known for her classical education and elegant riding, she is a top competitor whose devotion to the very highest standards of horsemanship and integrity make her a positive role model in the contemporary dressage world. J.J. has been longlisted for the World Equestrian Games and represented the United States in competitions abroad. This year, she has had a successful season showing at the Global Dressage Festival in Wellington, Florida. JJ, I would like to thank you very much for taking some time out of your extremely busy schedule to talk to with us today. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for uh, inviting me to be here. And I'm, I'm always uh, eager to share anything and everything about horses and now it's also moved into breast cancer and, and things like that. So I'm, I'm always happy to share. That's wonderful. Well, to start with, you know, kind of the basic question, how did you get involved with horses and then more specifically dressage? Well, I started, you know, I think horses have been in my blood. Um, I think I was born with it, <laughs> the obsession of horses in general. And um, I was lucky enough to have my uh, my mom be the kind of woman who exposed her children to all kinds of things. Like we all needed to learn an instrument. We all took dance lessons uh, and we were all, you know, encouraged to try new things and follow, follow our path. And so um, I was very, very jealous when my oldest sister got to take riding lessons with our neighbor. Uh, and so I would beg to go along, you know, and I was, I think seven years old, I took my first lesson and by the time I was nine, I was actually hooked on dressage, and I was, again, lucky enough to have Gail Kelm move into the stable where I started riding, just regular English, uh, and I started riding with Greta Pell, who mm-hmm. 10 years later, you know, became my business partner in my first training business, but uh, Gail Kelm was the, the first trainer who, by happenstance, you know, happened to come to our little riding stable in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. And um, by the time I was 11, Gail introduced me to Charles DeCumphy to, you know, he's become my mentor of over 30 years. So it's all like all the right people kind of, you know, happen to come into my life, you know, all at the right time. It was absolutely meant to be. That's clear. Yeah. And I, when I was 18, um, I got you know, just the idea of like, should I go to college and play basketball? Because that was another passion of mine. Um, or should I go to Europe and ride horses? And so Charles uh, organized it for me to go to Budapest, Hungary and train with Yuma Dalos, who I'm sure some of you could Google um, and maybe know about. He wrote an amazing uh, Dutch gray stallion named Aktion. And uh, I, I decided to, you know, go to Europe and, and do a real live apprenticeship and I stayed in Europe. I stayed first for seven months and came home with my two young rider horses. I did young riders. I sold one. I leased out the other. I bought a young horse and figured out I I, I needed to go back um, because I just scratched the surface. And uh, I went back for another um, a little bit over a year and a half. So probably another year and eight months. And it was just incredible. And I felt like Charles kind of set me up to go train with Eula. Gail supported the whole thing. Um, I started riding at all with Greta Pell when I was seven years old. And when I came home from Europe at 21, uh, Greta and I uh, organized our our business Wingate Dressage Center in the southeastern corner of Wisconsin. And then that led me to, you know, wonderful teachers in my life um, that then led me to, uh, we sold Wingate and I moved east and uh, wanted to keep going after my dream of riding on the team. And um, yeah, so it just kind of each each step of the way has kind of been revealed at the right moment. <laughs> well, you know, when, when it's meant to be like that, everything always falls into place. Yep, for sure. For sure. So what is it about, um, you know, you kind of explained a little bit how you 
uh, met Charles and got involved with him and, and how he set you on, on your path, but, and you have stuck with him and, you know, he's still your mentor and everything. So what is it about his philosophy and his, you know, and the, and the whole, and all of that, that uh, you like so much? You know, I think the whole idea of harmony and partnership um, and trust and love for my horses is something that's really prevalent in my um, teachings and in my riding. Um, I grew up with the most perfect, fantastic first horse. You know, he was saddlebred and he was my best friend. And um, it was just a beautiful relationship. And I think about how trusting uh, he was of me and how trusting I was of him. And I really uh, make a big effort to have that in each and every horse that I train and develop. Uh, that's my favorite part of it, you know, like really knowing each horse for their own individual um, pros and, and challenges. And um, through learning through Charles, through the science of riding and the classical principles, that sort of set me on a trajectory of, um, you know, problem solving in in the context of the science of riding. If there's a real um, way to do it properly that's in the best interest of the horse, not only physically, but emotionally. And, you know, Charles, you know, he always taught me how you can make an okay horse good mm-hmm. and a good horse great. And then eventually, hopefully you'll get uh, lucky enough to get a great horse and make it fantastic. And so, you know, everything I apply to my um, fancy warm bloods, I've also put on, every type of breed, you know, I, I've taught, um, a perch on how to canter. I put a fjord on the bit. <laughs> I've learned to sit the trot, you know, and it's all the same concepts that Charles has passed down from me, from his academy experience and his, um, learnings from his teachers that got passed down from his teachers. So it's, it's really something special to be a part of, and a, and a vessel for the information that has been passed down teacher to teacher for hundreds of years. I, I find like a really neat connection um, of horsemanship that has worked for, you know, thousands of horses and hundreds of riders. And to be kind of a modern day spokesperson and example of that is something I take a lot of pride in. And, you know, I always laugh because I'm, now in my career, I have the opportunity to ride with you know, all kinds of amazing Olympic riders and Olympic trainers. And, yeah. you know, Charles still to this day gives me some of my most incredible feelings uh, and feedback on the horses that I have that we always joke that, you know, and he does in his lessons, right? Charles is always like, am I right? Or am I always right? You know? And I'm just like, you are always right. You know? timeless principles be proven true um you know that it just it always works it just always works and so um that's kind of fun to bring alive to the generation of classical riders as well yeah well it's interesting getting to know you on on facebook and you know seeing the posts about all the very different horses that you ride and the the love that you have for each one of them as an individual um, and the insight that you have into each one of them as an individual is just so um, it's moving and it's refreshing. And I just love that you love them all from, you know, the, the Connemara to the big fancy warm blood and that you find the, the beauty and the strength and the thing that makes them special. That's awesome feedback. I, <laughs> I really appreciate that because that's one of my, that's one of my, passion you know and and I feel like what I like to share with people you know when I you know everyone's always like which one's your favorite and I'm like well all of them and none of them like like each one of them like they're they literally are all my favorite you know and um I I I I tell each one of them whenever I get on them I'm like you're the best horse you're you're the best you're my favorite and I'm like don't tell the others I told you that (laughs) Because it, it's like a parent with their like, children. At this morning, I told them that you're the, they were my favorite, you know, because yeah. it is like, you know, um, each one is teaching me a lot about myself too, but each one of them kind of needs their own approach and their own path and they're their own calendar. And, you know, Charles has really taught me how to respect that and, and discover that. And, you know, if I hadn't had the experiences I've had with Charles, 
Um, I, my second horse uh, was, uh, yeah, I had a lot of Lyme disease and a lot of lameness. So I got to ride a lot of different horses in the clinics that Charles would come. <laughs> so I did get to ride horses I did not know. So it's sort of like my own academy process of like, okay, I'm going to ride this five-year-old the night before the clinic because I'm in the clinic with him, you know, and Charles is going to guide mm-hmm. me through a great training process with this horse. I don't know, you know, so, um, oh, and this one, you know, is a, is a schoolmaster and I'm going to ride him Friday before this next clinic because, you know, again, my second horse, Stanley, had a lot of lameness. And at the time, I thought it was such a, 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 a hardship in my riding because he was never sound enough to really learn a lot on from Charles. But it also gave me this gift of riding countless different horses in the clinic with Charles, which, you know, really attached me into, it wasn't just with my own personal horse. It was, this was all horses and all breeds. And even in our online Academy, uh, Team Kate Academy, I have, a rescue pony who's clearly too small for me at, at 14 too. Like he's a true pony. Um, but I love Isaac. And then, you know, there's Norma, who's a 20 year old Morgan that we show that like these timeless principles, you know, you, it's absolutely important to understand them, to apply to your horse at home, no matter, no matter what that breed is or how high of a level it will achieve or how fancy it is. And, um, I grew up on the non-fancy, and we brought out the best in that horse um, through Charles's teachings that were passed down to him. And it's just an honor in my life to bring that to everybody at home, um, because we all just want to make each and every one of our own horses the best version they can be. Yeah. And sometimes you might be surprised what shakes out. <laughs> yeah. Is there something in, in particular that you look for f- to, to make a horse great? You know, when I pick out a horse for myself, you know, the first thing I find is a, is a horse that wants to work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be um, an amazing amount of talented horses out there, but without the, um, like, like attachment to wanting to be my partner, um, we could call it maybe a work ethic. Um, but I, I, do, I do find great enjoyment. Like as long as the horse wants to work with me, um, I can make it better. You know, I, I look for three pure gates, of course, the walk and the canter being the best. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, that, that, that need or the horse looks to want to be your partner um, and hear you out. You know, there's, there can be a lot of horses that just, um, you know, have too much energy and don't want to bother listening to you or they're kind of, um, dominant in their personalities and want to, you know, always do their idea, you know? So like I look for that horse that wants to look to me for guidance mm-hmm. or that they can have the ability to learn that skill. You know, not everyone is born that way, but if they have that skill down deep, um, I like to search for that too. You know, that it's like, it is in their nature, but they've had these certain experiences in their life that block that. Um, but down deep, they really are that horse. Um, I find that actually also really fun and interesting to peel the layers away of maybe like not the best type of training or not the best experience. Um, like Isaac in our academy who was abused and, um, you know, rescued. Uh, that's a powerful thing that like, you know, to find out who is he really, um, yeah. all that. And of course we find out who we are really <laughs> through that process and, I find that that's an important thing to share as well, how we grow uh, and how we need to be open to the process of learning as well, like a real growth mindset. So who are the horses that you have with you now? We have a really exciting lineup uh, of really great horses. And I, you know, just a shout out to the wonderful trainers in my life who always encouraged me to, continue to build a pipeline even if the horses were young or you know you had to figure out a way to to lease a horse or or help somehow to get a good horse in your barn so it's kind of fun to stop and look around and and see the wonderful pipeline I've created and I've got wonderful owners and really great support and um, I'll kind of start from the top down as far as age and, and level so um, I've had the wonderful opportunity to bring Darby into the International Grand Prix ring. So it's kind of fun 
to come on the come on the tails of a wonderful horse I had Gabriel who I won the four star with and I won Devin with and so you always think about like okay that was an exciting amazing ride you know I was so grateful for and like how who comes up after that you know and then of course we all love the super pony and um Gideon is now owned by one of one of my wonderful clients and I just taught him this last weekend in South Carolina and he is just the perfect horse for Catherine and so that um you know it's so hard to like you know feel that the journey with your that particular horse it, it takes on a new shape and so now it just makes me it just makes my heart so happy to see him being a wonderful schoolmaster for Catherine and so that actually allowed Darby who's owned by Peggy Broom and Dean Wright it's allowed Darby to kind of step into the limelight which is um we won regionals together last year uh two months out of a double mastectomy for me and that was wow. an amazing powerful journey and um he was kind of waiting the whole time he's one of those horses that are kind of like put me in coach put me in coach <laughs> me, 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 me. so it was kind of neat to like watch him show up for me like that and really a powerful experience and so now we've made the move up to the International Grand Prix in Florida this year. And uh, he's done uh, two four stars. And in each of those classes, he's, you know, placed in the top eight, which has been pretty cool. And then he always brings it, you know, every Friday night lights with the freestyle under the lights. And it's such a great thing to experience with a horse that loves a crowd and loves the energy. And, you know, it's, it's so much more enjoyable to have a horse that goes in there like, I can't wait to show off instead of one that is like absolutely terrified, you know, of the, of the applause and the audience. And so that's been a great joy this season to have Darby, you know, not only step into his own, but really step up to the plate, you know, into the international ring. So I'm got a wonderful op opportunity this summer to take five horses with me to train with Michael Kunka in Germany. We leave actually next week, so um, wow. that's exciting. So Darby's uh, the top, the top dog. You know, he's the captain of the A team, as we say. Um, and then I have Apollo, who's a horse who's coming twelve this year, and um, I've had him since he's four. So it's been a really beautiful, sometimes frustrating, uh, amazing uh, development with him, and he's getting ready to do his Grand Prix debut, and so. Um, yeah, I've got big hopes for him. He's an incredible mega horse that is in as as much as he is brilliant, he's been as challenging. Um, he's just is an overachiever and kind of can't get out of his own way sometimes. And so um, you know, it's just been a, a beautiful learning experience and growth with him since he's been a youngster and the difference of what this horse truly turned into. Uh, and we're not done yet, so it's just been a beautiful journey. And so he's going to come along as well. I've also had the wonderful opportunity to compete Romeo, and we've had Romeo in our program since he was the dot on the ultrasound <laughs> machine. Oh, uh, wow. developed beautifully by Jessica Davis, who is a trainer I all sort of had to kidnap from Wisconsin and uh, bring her to my South Carolina base. And she's now one of my team Tate trainers and. She developed Romeo, and then one of my clients, Eileen Borman, uh, was able to purchase him, and he's a perfect horse for Eileen, and Eileen has allowed me to compete him a little bit as well and develop him to the next level, and he's proved he's a beautiful small tour horse, so he is going to stay home with Eileen and Ashley Perkins and Jessica Davis. Uh, they'll stay, stay home in South Carolina, but they'll continue to develop him, and Eileen uh, learns a lot from her lessons on him. So he's going to be, you know, ready uh, for Florida next season. Uh, so, but he'll stay home and, and enjoy the summer in South Carolina. So um, the second or the third horse I'm going to bring to Germany with me is a horse named Ivar D, which I own in a partnership with Heldstrom Dressage. So that's been an amazing partnership that I'm honored to be a part of. You know, he's a super talented horse. and we needed a year to get together. And of course I had a four month hiatus with the breast cancer um, debacle last summer. So um, although it's been an incredible blessing in my life, 
the breast cancer diagnosis and the, the journey through that um, has really brought an incredible perspective and texture in my life. Um, but it sort of got me a little bit behind with, with Ivar. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to the summer in Germany with him. And I hope our bond really cements in and um, I'm going to get amazing help from Michael. So I'm excited about that partnership as well. And um, the next horse in the line who just made his third level debut is a beautiful black horse named Denali, who is also owned by Kathy and Dean. Uh, so they also own Darby. So um, Denali is going to come and uh, I hope to, you know, build the bridge to pre-St. George for that horse. I think he's ready and feels like the right time. And I'm also bringing uh, one of my youngsters named Freddie, who I own with one of my best friends in partnership, Michelle Miller. So we're going to bring Freddie along as well. So we've got, you know, kind of the spectrum, you know, which I think is always uh, fun for me to have this young horses, middle horses, Grand Prix horses. You know, it's fun to bring that to my Team Kate Academy uh, for all my uh, clients and students and and um, like-minded community, it's fun for everyone to come along the journey with us. Yeah, you know, JJ, you're such a you're such an inspiration to people um, who've gone through the whole breast cancer route that you have. Um, I, I'm I'm flabbergasted that you were able to be riding again at the level that you were only two months after a double mastectomy. How? what do you attribute your resilience to? I mean, that's just, it's, it's remarkable. It's almost a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for uh, seeing that, it, seeing it that way. And um, it doesn't feel like a miracle to me. I mean, I feel like it, it was, I've always been a positive person. And uh, once I got diagnosed, um, all the character building experiences I've had through my relationship with horses sort of prepared me for this um, big bump in my road. Um, but I think I've had a lot of practice of, okay, that's bad news. Okay, wow. Okay, wasn't expecting that like at all. Okay. You know, I to kind of just like take a moment and say, okay, this has happened. Now, what are we going to do about it? And what am I going to do about it? And what do I have control over? And how can I, you know, kind of tackle this the best way I can and come out positive on the other end of it? It kind of surprised myself <laughs> of like, wow, you really took that in stride. And then, whoa, you took a hold of it. And then you tackled it to the ground, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think, you know, my purpose for living uh, with horses really sort of took over and I feel really um you know proud and and grateful that you know my love of horses is so strong that all those really difficult times of like wow the tourist suspensory wow okay I, yeah. I thought I was going to be qualifying for this big show or whatever and like wow now I gotta woof, we gotta treat this suspensory and now I've got to tack walk and it, it wasn't the journey I anticipated or hoped for but this is where we are now and and how do I tackle that in the best way I can you know all of those situations whether it's colic surgery or 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 something wrong with the eyeball or or a leg injury or I bought this horse he doesn't seem to be the the temperament I thought I did like I guess I need to learn some groundwork you know um <laughs> All of those challenges sort of got me ready to deal with my own personal journey of, of breast cancer. And, um, you know, getting back in the tack was a huge inspiration for me. My horses bring me inspiration. So I was back on a horse in two, in two weeks. Um, wow. I still had a drain, but it was important for me to like, I just need to get back on and walk. You know, and I made I made a really responsible choice about like don't overdo it and get on your safest horse and you know all those things and that just brought me so much um, soulful fulfillment to be able to get back on and do what I love. You know, Ashley Perkins and Jessica Davis, you know, really kept my horses really fit while I was um, rehabbing myself. Um, but it was definitely something that my soul took 
fulfillment from, you know, so that really made me happy. And Montana was the first horse I got back on. And of course, Norma was the second horse, you know, my, the 20 year old Morgan program, they both helped me rehab, you know? And so, um, that was a beautiful thing. And I, you know, I was very fit when it all happened. Uh, and I have a very strong resilience in my, in myself. So I attribute being able to pop back that quickly. Um, I also radically changed my, my diet and my, my mindset. Mm -hmm. I listened to a lot of great, um, books. Um, I did a lot of soul searching. I, uh, got a lot of education on a, on a thing I really didn't ever (laughs) think I wanted to or needed to. And, you know, you have to deal with the cards that you're dealt. Sometimes you can't control the cards you're dealt, but you can control how you play them. So, um, it was a, it was a beautiful, powerful gift which created a lot of growth for myself personally. And uh, I will continue to uh, walk down that path with bravery um, and hopefully inspire other women and men to um, how to face difficult situations that, you know, are absolutely, it will happen in our life. We, We will have a great loss in our life and we will have a great challenge in our life. And it, it looks like different things for different people, but there is a way to kind of train yourself to come through it in the most positive way possible. And, um, you know, if I can be of any help to anyone, you know, I I hope I can be. Yeah. Well, I think you're pretty remarkable. I know as a, as a trained social worker, one of the things that we talk about is, is helping to, is trying to reframe things into positives and the way that you've taken this diagnosis and, and used it as a way of um, reshaping your life and the way that you look at your life and your relationships with people and horses. I mean, I just think that's such a tribute to you. Um, well, yeah, I'm really grateful to hear you. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting, too. You know, like everything sort of happens for a reason at the time it was supposed to happen. You know, I think about um, this new exciting journey I get to go on to Germany this summer and and work towards my dreams of representing the United States on a team one day and I don't think I would have had the courage uh, and <laughs> and the organizational ability to do it if, if cancer hadn't come in my life right? wow. I've been talking about going to Europe a long time but it never felt quite right never was the right time you know Mm-hmm. And uh, I never had the right resources, the right horses. They weren't old enough, you know. And all of a sudden, like, I absolutely directly related to having the courage to, you know, tackle cancer last year and continue every day to make positive choices for myself to keep tackling cancer. I feel like you're never a survivor in a past tense. Every day we're full yeah. of choices and you can choose yeah. self-love or you could choose self-destruction. And I. I feel every moment what I decide to put into my body, how much risk I decide to get, how much people I'm I'm spending my energy on, you know, what horses, you know, and and all of that has led me to be able to take that courageous step to go to Europe and, and train. And uh, it, it's just, I, I don't know if I would have been able to really put those pieces into play without having gone through what I went through last year, you know? Wow. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Um, and so one of the other things that you just did was you participated in the Challenge of Americas, including you did a pot de deux with fellow breast cancer survivor, Shannon Duick. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. That was, um, it's all, you know, and Mary Ross, God bless her, she's uh, created this incredible event in the honor of her mother who uh, she lost to breast cancer. And so it's just incredible about like how, how, how deep one person can have an effect. You know, I think about, you know, how Mary Ross really got this incredible event off the ground. You know, I think it's, it's been, I think 30 years, maybe or 20. I mean, it's been a long time and (laughs) the great, the great event it's become, you know, is all about one person's vision. And so we can all have an impact. And um, I just encourage everybody to look at their life and see how, how, you know, how can I contribute, you know, to the greater good. And I'm so grateful to Mary 
every year, every year she calls me and she's like, do you have a horse for the, for the quadrone? I'm like, oh, Mary, no, I don't. It's, it's huge. You know, it's huge. It's, it's a once a week practice. We're on those horses an hour. We walk through the choreography. We, we, we go through the choreography. We practice and practice and practice. And so it's not easy on the trainers or the horses yeah. to sign up for that. And I, I have to give a big shout out to Lauren Chumley and Jesse Hayes for letting me borrow Fatty. <laughs> Fatty was my stand-in for Darby. So um, I did participate every week in the practices, but Darby <laughs> uh, was was also towing, so I couldn't like run him on his legs, you know, over and over again. Yeah, so it was a really amazing team effort. But you know, the challenge of the Americas every year is an exciting event, and it's it's a quadrille of six Grand Prix horses and rides. <laughs> um, this year, I think we had three or maybe four teams, um, and so that's a lot of horses and a lot of trainers and a lot of time. And, uh, you know, a lot of the people who bring the music and the choreography. You know, it, it's 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 choreographers, it's it's music people, it's it's trainers and coaches, and it's just an incredible event. And, and to think about, um, for me, having gone through the experience about um, the research that has been done behind breast cancer, um, really made my cancer experience not only a very individual um, experience, but also. Um, a very different experience, even from five years ago, when women have been um, diagnosed and their process of how they, do I need chemo? Do I need radiation? What are the chances about my cancer and, and how it grew in my body? And what is the best way to, to combat this? You know, it's like this Breast Cancer Research Foundation is is kind of leading the way on, on research and how we want to improve every woman's and also men's experience with how it doesn't need to be. Uh, you can continue to live with this disease and you can, you can conquer this disease. And we wouldn't be able to do that without, you know, organizations like play for pink and, you know, the breast cancer research foundation. And so this challenge of the Americas really um, creates a beautiful uh, avenue to be able to create more, um, just and we put it out there, you know, that like many, many women ride horses, you know, one yeah. out of eight women are going to be having a breast cancer diagnosis in their life. And uh, what became really powerful for me, uh, Shannon was a huge help to me. Like I was texting her. I was hoping I didn't annoy her too much. I was like, <laughs> Shannon, Shannon, hey, it's me again. Uh, uh, what happened after, like what, what, what happens in surgery? Like, how quick did you get back on, you know, and, and what, what should I uh, anticipate happening, you know, and what's a, what's a timeline you think is, is something that's reasonable, you know, and she answered all my questions <laughs> along with fellow dressage uh, riders, Helen Sandin and Lisa Von Martels. They were incredible personal for me. Not only did they go through it, uh, Helen hasn't gone through it herself, um, but both Lisa and um, Shannon both had gone through a double mastectomy and, and they're also riders. And so that was huge for me to hear from people who went through it, who thrived through it and didn't become a victim of the bad news. And so um, for me, when it was like, it's such a personal, powerful event that happened in my life that I wanted to also give something back. And so I, I, I texted Shannon, I'm like, hey, what, what do you think about doing a pot of do with these <laughs> both breast cancer survivors? And it's so, um, I'm seven months out right now. And um, it was powerful for me to kind of show up in that way for other people going through it. And so I kind of dragged Shannon into it and she was <laughs> She was like, right on. I'm like, I'm, I'm up for it. So I, <laughs> I, I choreographed it and I, I picked out the music with Marlene Whitaker, who's been a um, always one of my favorite people to create my, uh, competitive freestyles for me. Uh, she did uh, campaign. She did Fabergé. She did Gideon with me. Um, so she's always been like a wonderful person. And um, she came with me and we, we listened to the music and I was so moved. I cried, you know, and I'm like, this is the piece we need to ride to. And so uh, we picked uh, Melissa Etheridge's um, I Ride for Life or I Run for Life. <laughs> And so um, Melissa Etheridge is also a breast cancer survivor and wrote that song 
uh, about her journey. And I just thought it would be really powerful if Shannon and I walked down the center line to those to those lyrics of um, what it what it feels like a little bit to have that phone call that you have something growing in your body and wow, you know, it's, it's powerful, the journey it takes you on. And yet, you know, we run for your mother, your sister, your daughter, your, your wife, you know, we, we run for, we run for ourselves. We, we run for each other and we ride, we ride for everyone, you know? And so it was a beautiful moving experience um, to be a part of truly moving. Yeah. So I'm sitting here crying. Oh, <laughs> you made a beautiful you know, cry. It was a very powerful uh, moment of my life, for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing all of that. And um, the, the last question is one that I like to ask everyone just to get their perspective. And you really have kind of said it in... Um, throughout some of the things you've talked about, but if you could put it in a nutshell, what do you think makes a good horse person? I think a great horse person is someone who is willing to see the lessons being shown through our interchange and interaction with horses. Um, I think a growth mindset, not only for how can I make this particular horse's experience, how can I improve that, whether it's approaching it in a different way, you know, to help that horse grow into the best horse they can be, whether that's physically, uh, emotionally, um, you know, you want to make a a shy horse confident, you want to make a weak horse strong. You want to make a um, exuberant horse, you know, more uh, tame, you know. Uh, but also, like having a growth mindset in ourselves, mixed in with the Grand Prix mindset, I like to call it. Like, where, how, how can I become, you know, a Grand Prix person, and how can this horse become a Grand Prix horse? And that doesn't always look like riding down centerline at the Grand Prix. Right. But I think to kind of open yourself up to where, where is my work inside myself? Because as I become a better person, I also become a better horseman. And uh, our horses deserve that from us as much as possible. Yeah, that sums it up pr- pretty darn well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so if um, where. Where can people find you on social media and stuff and, and uh, get in touch with you to, to follow you, to follow all of your multiple journeys? Yes. Yes. We um, are very prevalent on Facebook and Instagram at Teen Tate Academy, where we're, you know, an open um, place for people to come become a part of something special happening and want to encourage and help you guys train your horses uh, at home as well. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much um, for sharing all of your, you know, your journeys and being so open and positive. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard that you're an inspiration, but hearing you say it here, I think, I think Aviva would agree with me that you really, really are. And whether you're going through a, you know, a significant health situation or just life in general, you know, your outlook is absolutely amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. I forgot to say you can also join us. I was thinking about that as you said that on uh, Apple Podcast at um, Dressage Life with JJ Tate. Okay. Where we talk about all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you um, for joining us and best of luck. Safe travels over to Germany and good luck with that. And um, yeah, just continued good health and success. Thank you so much. Same to you guys as well. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. If you've missed any episodes or to subscribe, go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Learn more and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com. Or you can visit our subscription video site, ondemand.dressagetoday.com. 
Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Happy riding, and we'll see you at X. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.